This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Hello, I'm Susan Sorensen. I'm a professor at the University of Pennsylvania, where I also direct the Ortner Center on Family Violence. Today, we're going to be speaking with Janine Lazitsky, who is the executive director of Women Against Abuse. Women Against Abuse is Philadelphia's leading domestic violence advocacy and service provider. So, Janine, you give survivors of domestic violence a continuum of care that prioritizes their independence and dignity. Can you explain what a continuum of care is? Yeah. I um, want to start with saying that we, although we have a continuum of care, our focus is on uh, crisis intervention and life-saving intervention. So that would be the Philadelphia Domestic Violence Hotline, safe havens, legal services. Um, Other than that, we believe in focusing on partnerships with community-based organizations and city agencies to be part of responding and intervening earlier. So we provide a continuum of crisis and life-saving services. Um, And we do that for people who are experiencing intimate partner violence or sometimes called domestic violence. We, in our new plan with the city, refer to it as relational violence because there's such a continuum. But what it means is that someone that you have a relationship with is using different tactics of abuse with the goal to control you. So the tactics become very coercive, and there's fear involved, and there's a great deal of danger involved as well. Uh, That sounds like really important work. So how is Women Against Abuse different from other domestic violence organizations? Uh, I think Women Against Abuse, uh, we really prioritize going to where survivors are. So rather than waiting till they call us, you know, while we're in our office, we go out in the community. We have someone who's stationed at the Office of Homeless Services, where the families come for intake. So those, you know, we can then screen and intervene earlier because what we know is that families who come into the homeless system have a very, very high percentage of domestic violence and history of violence and trauma in their life. So if we can intervene there, we can help them on a better path instead of continuing to recidivate back into the system. Uh, We have similar programs like that at the probation department, in family court, we uh, so we that that's our model. And other domestic violence agencies will provide individual and group counseling at like an office kind of outpatient type services, which is great, you know, and we don't want to duplicate other people's work Mm -hmm. in the city either. Uh, But we've chosen to try to find the most at-risk people and intervene earlier. That sounds like a really interesting concept and a very useful way to approach people who might be, as you're saying, in crisis, you know, have particular need for your services and be particularly open to them when they're in crisis. Yes. I mean, what we know from the literature is that most of the people experiencing relational violence will not be seen by a domestic violence organization. They'll be seen in a hospital. They may be seen by the courts, by the police. So what we know is we have to equip 
our community to be partners in addressing it, assessing for it, and intervening much earlier so that we have a chance of preventing the violence. Well, that's a wonderful segue into something I wanted to ask you about, which is Women Against Abuse's new Shared Safety Initiative. And I understand that's a coordinated community response to domestic violence, and you've managed to get a wide variety of government and community agencies across the city to participate in the initiative. Um, can you describe what is a coordinated community response? Sure. Um, so, you know, it's based on a collective impact model, and that says that there are certain issues in our in our society that are so large that we have to share resources among the public and private sectors and work together on shared goals and then have shared measurement uh, tools so that we can see how we're moving the needle. And that's what shared safety is. It's Philadelphia's response to relational violence that cuts not not just uh, solely for law enforcement, but it goes into the whole realm of health and human service agencies. So agencies like child welfare, behavioral health, the homeless system, the Department of Health, and a lot of community-based providers are involved, over 70 at this point. Um, we have a coordinating council that meets every other month and four subcommittees that are meeting monthly doing the work of the plan. And the work of the plan is now focused on intervention, um, and that means that no matter where a person comes into the system, that they would be screened and there'd be an intervention, not just a referral. And that uh, we will develop new interventions, especially for people who are acting abusively, because the range of interventions available is very small. And we know that we need to engage those folks in change earlier as well, as well as holding them accountable through the criminal justice system when that's appropriate. You've made an excellent case for why it's important to have community involvement in this issue. But tell me, how did you get so many agencies to be involved? How did you convince them? You know, we you don't have to once they realize that in order to achieve their own goals, they must look at this issue. Nobody in the, in this culture or in the world, for that matter, can ignore relational violence and think that they can achieve some other social goal or human service goal. It can't be done because uh, the one really impacts the others. Uh, for example, in the behavioral health sector, a lot of people are seen and given medication where it's really trauma-based and maybe they're still unsafe, but people never get at that. And so what does that cause in terms of dollars wasted but human suffering and the ripple effect on families and on society at large? And so once people realize, hey, you know, my goal is your goal, they they see that it's productive work. They also see that Women Against Abuse is a great partner, that we do what we say, that we work hard so that the meetings we have are productive. Um, and they, you know, they're very excited about being part of an effort that 
we see is really changing things. Now, it's a long-term effort, Mm -hmm. so it's not going to happen overnight, but we've seen very um, positive signs of early change. Yeah. I was wondering, is the private sector, the business sector involved in this? You know, to what degree is it or isn't it? That's a, a great question. Right now, they're not involved in this, but we need them to be. And one thing we just achieved is we got a foundation to be part of the coordinating council. So our hope is that they're going to bring in additional foundations. And then from there, we can bridge into the corporate world because we do need a lot more partners, especially on the funding end of it. Um, not that it costs a ton of money. Actually, it's a great way to save money because we're going to just all be doing um, more holistic work. Yeah. Well, that sounds excellent. Um, under your leadership, uh, Women Against Abuse has grown considerably, and you have some impressive statistics on your website, and you've, you've helped uh, – Women Against Abuse double its emergency safe haven facilities. You've expanded its transitional housing capacity by 25%, created 60 opportunities for permanent affordable housing units with supports. You've quadrupled the number of clients receiving attorney representation, and you reach thousands of high-risk victims uh, to make them aware of supports that they might not otherwise be aware of. So... Can you describe your leadership style? Sure. Um, You know, I think what's most important to me is scaling up. Are we meeting the need? And also developing models that can change and then helping those to be replicated. So that's the focus. My leadership style is very servant leader, um, team building, collaborative helping to build leadership in others, you know, recognizing that there's no one person that could do any of this, that it really takes leaders at every level in our organization. So we have leadership development programs and processes. And we also are certified in the sanctuary model, which is excellent because at the foundation of that are seven principles. Those seven principles also translate into the leadership world. So it's not only a way to help our clients heal in a safe, trauma-informed care environment. It's a way to develop leadership. And those principles are things like social learning, social responsibility, emotional intelligence, open communication, democracy, um, embracing growth and change is another one. You know, and we have ways that we can deal with trauma because this work is very traumatizing to see and to work in and there's vicarious trauma. So through the model, it allows people to deal with that and still be able to be effective as an instrument of healing. And I can imagine that'd be difficult because it's sort of like police officers or emergency department people, um, the frontline workers who work with you and with your organization probably do see a lot of people in, in really bad situations and very difficult. So I can imagine they would, they would be traumatized uh, and uh, sort of risk getting burned out, if you will? 
Absolutely. And that's why I don't we couldn't do this work effectively if we didn't have a model such as the sanctuary model. We rely on that heavily and it's not just words or you know, yes, we were certified in twenty fifteen, but we continue every day to use the tools to commit to that commit to that environment, which is very aligned with our mission at Women Against Abuse to empower survivors. Well, we want to empower our whole community um, Mm -hmm. to be leaders in change and to be a part. So we have to model what we're saying we want to see in our society, you know, which is ultimately respect, peace, love. How do you think your leadership style has helped you accomplish these goals and these? You know, I think one thing that's really important is humility and to uh, not be resting on your laurels or, you know, as you have achievements to Mm -hmm. to realize it's great, but ask yourself the question, how does that act as a catalyst to move us forward? You know, there's no stopping at Women Against, and personally, there's no stopping to say, you know, oh, we're at a great place not until we can really lead this struggle to end domestic violence. So, you know, we always are thinking, again, social learning and uh, trying to figure out how can we get further. And I think really hard work and, you know, a lot of things that come together to create uh, an effective organization that can deal with such a a challenging issue. Mm What you just said is strikes me as an interesting point because a lot of service agencies focus on service and after the fact. And it sounds like it's really important to you to address domestic violence itself and try and prevent it from happening in addition to helping those who experience that. Yeah, that's correct. And one of the ways we do it, which makes our model so effective, is because we do direct services with so many people that we have groups with survivors and we talk to them about what the barriers were for them. And see, everything that we learn, we put back into the the second half of the model, if you if you want to, our mission is two pronged. First is to provide life saving services for survivors. Second is to lead the struggle to end domestic violence. So everything we learn on the front end goes into the back end of social change. You know, and so it, it becomes a very organic model. Everything that we do in shared safety is a direct reflection of what our survivors need or would have need needed in order to move forward and get intervention at an earlier point in um, the enslavement. I don't know what to how to refer to it. That could summarize how bad it is, but it's a complete loss of freedom, what we're talking about. Wow. Um, I recently learned that Women Against Abuse is the 2017 Lipman Family Prize winner. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So the, the Barry and Marie Lipman Family Prize at the University of Pennsylvania is an annual global prize that celebrates leadership and innovation among organizations that are creating positive social impact. And as this year's winner, Women Against Abuse will receive an unrestricted cash award of $250,000. Um, in what ways do you imagine that the Lipman Family Prize Uh, that cash award will help you realize your goals, uh, which I understand to be 
providing the quality services to the people affected by domestic violence and preventing from happening in the first place. Yes. So, you know, our goal is to u- utilize the funds that in ways that will create a larger impact on the back end. So we're going to put a certain percentage toward shared safety and the highest priority items that we need some money to accomplish. That's the first thing. Second, we're going to build capacity in our advancement and development department so that we can raise more and generate more um, funds in order to support all of our work. We're also going to put some aside for uh, capital needs for our transitional housing because we have five buildings there. Um, about when I first came to Women Against Abuse in 2010, or I'm sorry, 2009, the transitional housing was in disrepair. And so we did a rehab and an expansion. And so the buildings are great, but we want to sustain that for the long haul. So we would put some aside for that. And we want to do something to recognize our staff as well and to take care of them and support them. So that's the ideas now that we have. Well, well, I wish for you many more resources (laughs) over the years to accomplish all of those wonderful goals. And um, returning to you for just a second, what kind of background did you have in coming in? Because it sounds like you've done a lot with housing and the residential services. So um, that can be a very particular challenge for an organization to run a residential yes, setting. So yes. did you learn this on the job? What kind of – or did you have some background in it? I did. I, I can speak a little to my background. I've been now almost 25 years uh, in the social sector focusing on domestic violence, sexual assault, homelessness, poverty, uh, mental health issues, drug and alcohol. And there's so many overlaps between everything I'm talking about. Not that domestic violence does not occur in high socioeconomic. It does. Um, But there's interconnections. uh, When you have poverty, it's another layer of oppression. And so people who are experiencing intimate partner violence with the poverty perhaps with discrimination of uh, being minorities, would experience a lot more difficulty or oppression. Um, so 25 years of experience and a lot of experience in homelessness and housing programs, developing new housing, managing it all, the property management side, as well as the services side. I have my bachelor in criminal justice, master's in psychology, and almost my PhD in social research and social work. So a lot of different um, areas of expertise. Also, um, I went to a couple certificate programs for executive leadership, which I think is really important for someone who's in the human services to learn more about the business end of it. And so I went to the Bryn Mawr Nonprofit Executive Leadership Institute. I also went to Harvard Business School's Strategic Perspectives in Nonprofit Management course, and that was really helpful. And also just learning from people who have been around a long time, you know, learning how they do it and putting it all together. Well, Women Against Abuse is now a member of the Lipman, the Wharton, and the Penn community. Uh, please, could you describe your wish for this partnership? Yes. 
Um, we're very, very excited to work more closely. We have worked with Penn. We have many interns from Penn every year. We also worked with Ortner Center um, and worked with Ortner Center on the Domestic Violence Law Enforcement Committee of Philadelphia. So we have that connection. But, you know, I think to get outside of our sector, so social services, human services, even criminal justice, but to move into other sectors that Wharton and Penn have, like data management, um, data analysis, marketing, communication. We feel that the cross-sector collaboration will really help to spark change and, you know, to move our model forward more quickly. So we really plan to utilize as much support and collaboration as we can with Penn and Wharton and the Lippmann Prize, the former honorees as well. How does it feel to be this year's winner of the Lippmann Family Prize? Kind of surreal that, you know, out of uh, an, an array of international organizations that we are have been awarded this as a Philadelphia-based organization, but with a big model and a big model that could change things nationally and even perhaps internationally. So it's really, really exciting. We're really honored. And, you know, we're, we also feel that it is, uh, uh, it gives us even a greater responsibility, you know, to utilize this as a way to, to catalyze our, our work and our impact. Well. Congratulations to you and Women Against Abuse. Thank you, Susan. Um, yes, your work is vital. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.